everyone. Welcome to Can I Kick It, a special edition where we, we're going to talk to some very influential black women in this game that are doing it better than probably everyone listening right now. Um, so I'm going to go around the room. I'm going to let them introduce themselves, let them introduce whatever, let them plug whatever they got going on. Um, and then we're going to get into some very, very deep questions, but we're going to also keep it light and breezy. So uh, let's start from the corner. Sylphs. What's up, everybody? This is Sylves, co-host of the Shea Better FC podcast. Yeah, what's up, Nicole? Hi, um, my name is Nicole. I'm a, a co for the podcast. Hi. Hi, everybody. I'm Kaya McCullough. I have my podcast, yeah. Unfiltered. Um, which just dropped. I am a professional soccer player, professional shit talker. Um, you know the vibes. <laughs> Sky. I was up. Uh, I'm Sky. Uh, and I'm the other half of the Shea Butter FC podcast with the homie Seals. Uh, and I'm Ebony. Uh, you'll probably find me with Nicole at the Plastics. Um, and doing other various soccer things around here in the streets. Don't worry about it. We can fight later if we need to. Um, so let's just hop right in. <clears throat> so, ladies, uh, as black females involved in several parts of the game, um, the system has failed us time and time and again. Uh, where do you guys see as the area, the biggest area of improvement? I know overall it needs to change drastically, but what is one part that you guys think absolutely needs to change? Um, can I go first? Absolutely. I just had it, like, off the top of my head, um, so I was, like, talking to somebody about it today, but, um, you know, first and foremost, I always go back to, like, the structures, like, the structural, um, like, the structural integrity of the whole system, like, how that kind of needs to be restructured, and, you know, again, get rid of the, like, I think before we can really, really see, like, substantial change, like, we really need to get rid of the pay-for-play system, um, that's currently like the standard that we see for U.S. soccer, um, because as, as we all know, class and race intersect, and I think that plays a huge role. I personally think it plays a huge role in a lot of what we're seeing. Yeah, one hundred percent. I like think back to my own youth experience and how lucky and fortunate I was to be able to afford soccer in the way that I could um I mean it was kind of a struggle still like I come from a middle class family but um you know I was afforded the opportunities and I was you know I had parents who could pay to take me to camps and who could pay or who could take time off work to take me to training four times a week and who could take me to games and who could afford for me to you know stay in hotels um, to go get noticed by college coaches. Like there are so many barriers to entry for soccer, especially getting to the top level. Um, and you know, reflecting on my own story and my own journey, it's almost a miracle that I, I made it as far as I did just because, you know, how many, how many barriers are in place for kids that look like me? Um, so yeah, I definitely, that was immediately what came to my mind too, is the pay to play structure. Like that's, that's number one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. 
I'll go ahead. Go. 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 All right. We do this all the time, apparently. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, I think we're all pretty much on similar pages. I just think uh, pricing people out can never truly mean inclusion, right? And the way I look at soccer, um, because it wasn't available in my city, right? It's a majority black city. It didn't get there until I was like in high school and I was already playing other sports. Um, and it's not a place where like you play that sport and get noticed. You play basketball, you play football, you go out. Um, but yeah, for me, soccer is supposed to be for everybody. And it's, there's no way that that's true in the current structure. Um, and when there's not inclusion, it's always going to affect more marginalized people more. Right. And so I think of young black women, young non-binary people um, and others who just aren't ever going to have that access. Um, so, yeah, I think you have to start there and then build the support that way. <clears throat> oh yeah, I was gonna definitely say access. Um, I grew up in Atlanta, and so even though you had the Atlanta beat at the time, yeah, I'm that seasoned old. Uh, you still like the access to actually play was like really non-existent. Like I could see a path from going playing as a basketball player to get to the pros or any other sport, softball, even lacrosse versus soccer in Atlanta, <clears throat> and then even playing in high school. You can see the disparities. I've played in the Atlanta public school system. If it was two black teams playing, then we only had a couple of refs. If it was uh, we played a white school or, for, or a ranked team, then you had a number of refs. I got hurt in 11th grade playing on a horrible pitch that we never should have played. And the only reason they stopped the game is after I sprained my knee really badly, somebody else broke their ankle. But we never should have played on that pitch. And, like, you would never have had that happen at a white school um, in the state of Georgia. But, like, you could never see, like, how to do anything, um, how to even think about even going to college playing soccer, uh, let alone, like, having the support. So it was just, like, always a dream. Because I always say for as much talent and physical skill you have for men and women in the state of Georgia, you have yet to see a black person, brown person, get on the U.S. women's national team, U.S. men's national team. Like, that's an access issue. Like, so, yeah. Oh, sorry. Can I? Uh, oh, sorry. Oh. Go ahead. I had a small point. <laughs> I had a small point um, that, I wanted, that I was like thinking about while y'all were um, talking. It just kind of popped into my head about how, um, you know, because there is that lack of access for marginalized communities. And like because of that, you're not seeing the proper representation. And so if you're not seeing that proper representation, then I feel like oh, people from those marginalized communities are like, well, why would I even want to, like, watch this or support this if I'm not seeing myself represented in the, in this game, you know? That was, like, a perfect segue to what I was going to say anyway, so I'm glad that you spoke. Um, I think another big thing is, you know, having Black coaches. I never in my life have had a Black coach, um, which I think says a lot Um, because we know black people are more than capable of being phenomenal coaches. And I think about how different my experience would have been, you know, being able to see myself in a mentor who was teaching me, not that I didn't have great coaches, um, but, you know, I think they would have understood my dynamic a little bit better and my specific situation. And, you know, there's just a level of familiarity that, you know, you can't necessarily get with having white coaches all of your life. So that's another, a big thing for me is, you know, how are we providing the resources to, um, 
black people to become coaches in this game and how are we providing the support for them to get to that position? Because this is like the one time that I think that top down kind of works. Um, you know, if you put people in a coaching position where kids can look up to them and they can see themselves um, in said coach, I think that, you know, has a, a really positive long-term effect. There are times I definitely wanted to quit soccer and I imagine that some of that could have been mitigated had I had somebody that looked like me um, to mentor me. Well, first, I want to uh, welcome Risk. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself uh, and tell the people where they can find you, anything you're working on, and then we'll hop into the next question. Thanks. Sorry, I was late. I've just been home from work. <laughs> oh, you're good. Um, I'm Riss. I am one of four co-founders of Rose Room Collective. We are a people of color supporters group for the Washington Spirit and DC United. Uh, you can find us at Rose Room Collective on Twitter and on Instagram. And all of us are on Twitter as well. Um, I am Riss underscore Willett. Yes. Um, to kind of segue from uh, Kaya's um, statement, um, uh, y'all are involved in a lot of spaces that often get overpowered by male, whether it's black or white voices. Um, what's it like navigating these spaces and how do you hope your uh, your presence will influence other black females to get involved? <clears throat> Shoot, I'll go first, fine. Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm still used to having to do it. Like it doesn't, register is that like that's my everyday life right i work in higher ed i've been in many spaces and it's almost always the case and i think i have more willingness to do it simply because i love the sport it's a passion of mine so if i'm willing to do it for my government job if i'm willing to do it uh you know for the sake of the kids and my family or something like that then yeah i should be willing to do it on my own behalf and i honestly think um for me I saw some community on Twitter, right? Like I saw people who look like me, who, who love this sport. And I was part of the, the outreach. And part of it's just been uh, the pandemic and seeing mediocrity thrive and just being like, screw it, I'll do it. Like at this point, it's just like, there's no excuse for me not to try to navigate the space, to figure it out, to be scared to make mistakes and get it wrong. Um, so for me, it's just a not fearlessness, but just uh, why wouldn't I, when, why wouldn't I do that? And just calling it out when I see it um, and trying to do the work myself, right? There's things I need to learn um, and unlearn as well, but just calling it out, right? And just being able to at least put it into the universe or the void, however you feel um, and know what you know, right? Like being secure in what I do know. And if I don't know it, I'll admit it. Um, and just knowing that we're talking about women's soccer, like the people leading this conversation should be women or not non-binary people. It should not be men. They are welcome to join the conversation, but it's not their space. So, um, and I try to find men who seem to understand that. So that's sort of how I navigate it. Try to build community because that's what soccer is. So um, start there. Yeah. And why not? I don't know. That's my thought. <laughs> I think off of um, Solve's point, did I, did I say it right? Solve? Yeah, that's good. Oh, wrong. Okay, hey, 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 I don't want to get it wrong. That's my, that's a big fear. <laughs> so, going off of Soul's point, uh, honestly, as like a, you know, as a very visibly like Afro Latino, like as I say, as a very visibly fat, 
get used to, you know, uh, having to pave, especially growing up poor too. Like, I think I'm so used to having to pave my own way regardless. I think I've kind of lost that, um, that kind of fear of like, you know, if someone, like, I'm going to talk. Like, I'm, it's a fear of talking. Like, I'm going to talk, and you're going to listen to me. And if you don't listen to me, I'm going to keep talking. And I'm just going to, essentially, like, I'm just going to pave the way myself. And I'm going to do it myself because time and time again, people like me aren't, like, given those types of opportunities. You kind of have to take them for, your, take them for yourself. Like, my mom always has a saying that she's like, opportunities are bald-headed, so you have to grab them by the hairs. And I've just been doing that my entire life. And, you know, soccer is no different. And if someone is not going to listen to me because of my identities, then I'm going to make them listen anyways. Like, they're going to listen regardless. So, so they can do it the easy way and they can do it the hard way. The choice is there. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, so the real government job is uh, actually engineering. So I'm immersed in all the time all men, everything, um, particularly white men. And so I guess it took time that I had to get to a point where I really just don't care. And also like my identities as being black, LGBT, uh, being a little differently abled, um, and then having a lot of things going on that I have to be an advocate for myself. So it's like not having fear and just being secure in the confidence. I mean, growing up in Atlanta helped it because you get you get taught to be proud to be bliggity black all the time. So you, it's like undefeated. Like I can go through spaces and really don't care. But I mean, it took a lot to even reach a point where I'll just be insecure in the knowledge that I have and whatever I do, even if I'm wrong, you know, just keep it moving. So nothing really phases me. Um, I mean, being a Sagittarius, it helps too, but, uh, but you know, being, being willing to rod through and go through the doors, um, and then remembering that I got to do it, you know, go hard in the paint because there are other people I'm represented for people who look like me um, and inspiring to be similar, particularly as an engineer, because you don't have like many black women engineers in the area that I'm working in. And so it's like, you know, going through and doing it regardless. Um, and then even being comfortable in myself because I'm from Atlanta and I got an accent and I'm on the West Coast and then people are in their feelings. And they have, I mean, they look at me and have perceptions of what I do, but then. You know, then they're like, oh, OK, I didn't know you had this education and all this. And then I've become worthy. But like being a being trying to get people to change their mindsets to be appreciative of people who look like me um, and open the door so that other people get in. But yeah, I guess confidence and security and self and not giving a fuck. Oh, my bad. Not giving a care. <laughs> yeah. We don't care about cursing. Go ahead. OK, okay. hey. <laughs> I guess this is my, this is my yeah. show. So <laughs> this guy, um, for me, I was never really somebody who spoke out a lot and kind of over the last year. And I think especially with the pandemic and being home a lot and seeing whatever, everything that's going on in the world, I kind of like, it took me like this moment of like, click, like you need to open your mouth. Like you need to be more vocal. Um, so for me, like last year was a really big, like mind opener for me. Like, be open and be vocal about it. And I have definitely been more vocal in the last year, especially with Rose Room being really out and about now. So I think for me, it was just like, kind of like opening my eyes to like, stop being quiet. Yeah, for me, um, 
I mean, you brought up the uh, zodiac sign. I'm a Gemini sun, Leo moon, Aquarius rising. So I'm chaotic to the core. Um, I called myself a professional shit talker. And I really meant that just because, you know, I've always been one to say what I feel when I feel it, how I feel it. Um, very much so a heart on my sleeve kind of person. Um, and I guess that just kind of translated. I've shared my journey with activism so many times, but you know, it really just started for me in high school and speaking out about things that I thought were wrong in my area. And when I got to UCLA, I just realized I had a platform and I had a really powerful voice. And, you know, my whole life I was told I could do anything that I wanted to do. And I just think that belief coupled with, you know, the position that I found myself in really compelled me to speak up. Um, because even if people weren't paying like too much attention to women's soccer, <laughs> the NCAA women's soccer, I knew that, you know, the message would reach a few people who then could speak out to then more a few people. And I, I just kind of saw the potential for this like snowball effect. And as I kind of rose in the ranks and started getting more attention on social media and stuff. I just, I think I've just firmly stuck to, stuck to the belief that we have the responsibility to stand up against injustice when we see it, not just as an athlete, but as a person, as a living, breathing human, you have the responsibility to stand up for people and stand up against things that are wrong. Um, and so I think, you know, when, <laughs> when I deal with all these white men on social media or in my hometown or, wherever they may be, I kind of just hold strong to that unwavering belief in myself and my purpose and my message. Um, I have the support of the community behind me. I have the support of my family. And I think ultimately I have the support of myself. And, you know, that's all that matters in the end is if I can die knowing that I stuck true to who I am and what I believe, um, I don't know. I just, I, I wanted to be a voice for people that, you know, I wanted to be a voice for people that look like me because I didn't have a voice for myself when I was a kid. So I figured, you know, who else but me can do it? Who else but, you know, if you, if the path isn't there, you got to pave it yourself. So that's kind of um, my perspective on that question. Yeah. And I was just going to add that, like, as somebody who does work with students, probably around your age. I'm a little on the older side of millennial. Um, I saw younger people being brave and bold and speaking up for themselves. And at some point I was just like, I can't leave them hanging, right? Like the hill I will always die on are black kids and black young adults, right? So um, I saw them doing the work and I'm like, I can't sit here and be quiet when they're out here willing to put their necks on the line to stand up for who they are and what they believe in and what this sport could be. But even outside of that, just in terms of social justice issues. So the least I can do is have their back and open my mouth. So um, and you're one of those people, guys. So I, I truly appreciate uh, your journey. Hard though it has been. Um, that has been inspiring. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Sometimes it feels like a void, as you said. <laughs> it's easy to get caught up in the black hole that is uh, racism in the United States. But I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to jump in here because... Uh, I mean, I am a part of several different groups, uh, whether it be uh, national uh, for United States teams or for my local teams. Um, it was just there was nobody there that looked like me. Um, but I was passionate about this game. Uh, so to navigate into these waters, 
um, took a lot. Um, there was one guy that looked like me that was up front doing the chance, doing the leading, doing that extra step to make sure everyone felt welcome. And I've always said on my, like, I say it everywhere. Like, if you're with me, you have a voice. Because I didn't have that voice when I first started this game or started in this game. I started late. I was, like, 2012 when I first started this sport, like, following this sport fully. So it was kind of just, like, looking for those voices and realizing they weren't there. So then realizing I kind of had to be that voice for myself and for others. Um, and that was a process, um, and having to battle against all these extra voices that were saying, oh, well, what are you doing here? I had a guy almost get hit by a car because he didn't want to listen to me. Like, that's how crazy it is out here to be a black voice in a very white dominant sport. So, um, I mean, all of you are doing the, the amazing work to try to get black female voices heard. Um, so for one, I appreciate you guys for doing that um, because without you guys and people doing all the extra work of podcasts, being on live TV, all that kind of stuff, playing the sport, but still having that voice of activism and all that kind of stuff, uh, we wouldn't be at this round table right now. Um, the podcast for, by, and about black women in soccer. Featuring your hosts, Sky and Sills. In our second episode, we give you an overview of the Shea Butter FC vocabulary and music to enhance your Shea Butter FC experience. We also give a rundown of the FIFA Break International Friendlies, including a thorough examination of the U.S. Women's National Team performance against Sweden. Then we review the entertaining and chaotic start of the National Women's Soccer League Challenge Cup. As we bring to you our own flavor and seasoning to this week's hot take surrounding the global women's soccer community. That is sure to keep your skin moisturized and your edges laid. Come check us out, y'all. So, uh, Jake, if you don't know Jake, he is amazing from Chicago. Uh, Asked who influenced you to be a fan? I guess I'll go first. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, I've played my whole life. It's kind of hard to separate yourself from this sport in particular. Um, but, you know, in terms of being a fan, I feel like I've always been on the other side for most of my career, being a player. Um, but I've always been, which is why this is, like, very disheartening this past year. Like, I was always a very big supporter of the women's national team. Growing up, seeing my legends play and then you know actually getting to meet them in person was really fucking weird um but yeah I mean I've always said I'm like a huge fan of Megan Rapino. um she was you know somebody that I really looked up to in terms of her activism and it, it honestly is what kind of got me started with kneeling um but you know now I'm just excited to see all the black players that are just absolutely thriving, especially in the NWSL, um, despite the odds, despite the circumstances, despite the racism. Um, now that's what's keeping me around, I think. I was just talking about, you know, before we went live, I'm like looking for a team to support, I guess, in the league. And right now it's Gotham um, just because the representation that is on the team. Um, but 
Yeah. I think it's the same from, well, it's a few things, right? So um, I'm on the Can I Kick It podcast and I grew up watching the Richmond Kickers. Like that's the first thing I ever knew of soccer. So it's very funny uh, that life has come full circle in that way. Um, And I remember watching bits and pieces of the 94 World Cup, Men's World Cup, because it was stateside. Um, But for me, it's definitely the 99ers. Like I'm of that age. I was a teenager. Um, That was a heck of a summer between the 99ers and then Serena winning her first um, Grand Slam. So it was one of those moments where like, oh, I can really do anything. And I think the two players for me were probably um, Mia Hamm, obviously. Nine is still my favorite number. Um, and Brianna Scurry, because at no point did I ever think I was going to be a goalkeeper, but she looked like me, right? So, um, again, representation isn't everything, but it absolutely matters. And I was like, Black people play soccer. That literally was a moment. Or Black women, I should say, I was like, Black women play soccer. It was a very uh, just like watershed moment in my, in my mind, like, oh, we can do that. Even though I knew Black women played other sports, it just never crossed my mind. So, um, and I think I've sort of been in and out of the world of soccer ever since. Um, I think same that the national team is sort of what's been shown most of my life. And so I think that's how we come into it and uh, rest in peace, WPS, uh, Washington freedom. Uh, I'll tell you about the time I was going to go see a game and the league folded right before that happened. Um, so that sucks. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I've always had an, an interest in the sport. Um and, and yeah, I watch men's soccer too. Um, and so some of those players, but again, it was always the black players. It was the Thierry Henry's, even though I didn't, root for, I don't root for Arsenal, that kind of thing. Um, that I was always looking for myself in a, in a sport. And I just like when black people succeed in spaces where uh, people say they have no business succeeding in. And so uh, in that way, soccer has always been very intriguing to me. Uh, so like you said, it's in, it's in spite of and not because of. So, um, but yeah, those two players in particular, I think got me into the game. I can go. Um, let's oh. see. Um, I guess initially, yeah, seeing Brianna Scurry on a national team. Um, I was a goalkeeper at my short height because nobody wanted to do it. Um, when I was in high school, so I was the victim. Um, or I was playing fullback. Uh, and so uh, let's see. That made me feel confidence in kind of doing that. Um. I guess actually watching, I went to a bajillion Atlanta beat games back in the day, uh, RIP. And then um, what like kept me entertained though is like, I'm trying to embarrass people. So like, I need creativity and all that. So Brazilian football, for real, uh, any creative players, um, young and seasoned. Um, and then I guess I really, really got like involved in terms of paying attention to tactics is after I learned in high school when you finally had legitimate coaching and help uh, that I was like, man, this would be cool. If you like had excess, like you'd have people all over the SWATs playing football and crossing people over. Uh, but um, yeah, like watching world cups with people, particularly when I got in college, I was like, man, if you had that kind of passion in the United States, it'd be totally different. But yeah, that's how I got involved in terms of playing and then paying attention. Um, Yeah. Um, funny thing is that my brother, his middle name was named, his middle name is like named after one of the, um, I think it was like from Spain, like one of the Spain players from 94. So that's why, because like, yeah, he was born, my brother was born in 94 and my mom was watching the World Cup that summer. 
and she like I forget which I don't know, I don't know I forget which team that he played on but his middle name is Adonis um, and she was like she named him it was like the middle name was named after somebody who played um, in the ninety four World Cup so that's always like the fun fact for a ninety four World Cup. <laughs> Um, in terms of like, I guess how I got into soccer, um, I feel like growing up, I didn't really have a lot of, um, like role models for like women role models for sports, except for like Serena Williams because she's a badass, and I'm like, I want to be like her at all times. And um, but besides that, I didn't really have a lot of women in soccer that I really looked up to. I mostly got into soccer because of um this family that this like family friend that lived like a block away from us would invite us over all the time for I think it was the twenty ten World Cup and we would just like come over all like for every game and um probably since that point World Cup had always been such a like fun time. And then, you know, I grew up with a lot of, I grew up with a lot of boys and, uh, um, they all play FIFA and they would talk about like the teams they would play as. And I'm like, well, they, that sounds really interesting. I like soccer in general. I'm going to look more into it. And actually like, oh, wrong side. <laughs> AC Milan was probably like one of the first teams I really got into. Um, even though I'm mad at them right now because of the whole ESL thing, but whatever, um, they're probably like one of the first teams that really like first like club teams that I had really like gotten into. Um, and then in college, I met one of my best friends, Chris, who got me into like watching the Red Bulls, and it just kind of was like a a gradual thing that happened, just in terms of getting into soccer. Uh, I think everybody's heard my story. Um, I didn't really get into it until about 2011 uh, when I got to go to sorry, 2010 uh, when I went to Argentina for a school trip. Uh, got to watch the World Cup with Messi Argentina. Uh, then came back, watched 2011 World Cup, and then it's just kind of been that ever since. Uh, it's been taking over my life ever since. Um, yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about NWSL. Well, we talked a little bit about Atlanta B. It's, ooh, damn. Um, but we can go into NWSL. Um, so uh, the first week of NWSL, um, a lot of people found out that words matter. Uh, what do you think teams can do uh, to make sure that players have the resources they need to be successful in this league? whether it's emotionally, physically, anything of that nature. Um, let's see. Well, first off, we talk about this in the upcoming, well, we've talked about it every episode. Oh, we had whole dedicated, we got a whole segment dedicated this week to this situation because we had to open the library because it's getting ridiculous. But they definitely need a diversity, equity, inclusion office entity building um in every team um and they also so to help them like seriously to deal with and be aware of all their blind spots to make sure they're accountable make sure they're doing the work uh counseling psychiatry like paying for mental health psychiatry support services um 
well, something in count- accountability, but you got to have it at the league. Like the league office actually has to do the training and like read the books and do the work. Like it can't be for play play sitting on the shelf, like for decoration. You can't like even what happened today, like putting out statements after the verdict. But it's like y'all are y'all been acting a fool the last three weeks. And so it's like, you know, at least get into some legitimate diversity, equity, inclusion type of connections of something that's substantial and legitimate because it's it's crazy to me working i work in corporate america so you have that exist in in some kind of influence at companies but to just even think that like the black women's player collective came into existence last year and you don't have even diversity equity anything of substance in the nwsl or even for the u.s soccer federation this is crazy. So it's like, you know, then understanding that these women are dealing with stuff by themselves, not getting help um, to navigate things. And then you see stuff play out in media. You see things play out um, the same foolish infractions, things not get dealt with because you don't even have the resources to do it correctly or people or white people even understanding the issues. Um, so, yeah, having that kind of some diversity, equity, something and then actual support from the therapy standpoint i mean that's a start but it's a whole like there's a whole sermon on that i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna keep it a buck with everybody um better pr people who understand the nuances of um misogynoir and the repeated being with a dead horse trope of the uh you know white woman damsel in distress um you know PR people who understand that um but other than that definitely I agree with what everyone said just you know better um more support like more mental health services um more support in the mental health services side because I can't even imagine um how much like all uh, like I can imagine it I can't really like understand how much like having all that vitriol directed towards you, like how much that takes a toll on you and how much like, you know, people who don't even know you outside of playing a sport, saying things about you, like how that must weigh on players. And I think there just needs to, instead of just kind of leaving them, like leaving players um, to their own devices in that respect, there needs to be like more support um, and just being like, yeah, like we understand, like, you know, I feel like a lot of times players are kind of just left um, kind of just thrown to the wolves and the people like the people at the top are just like peace out <laughs> you know um i mean i don't know that's just my perspective from what i've seen um uh, but yeah yeah having um lived <laughs> lived through last summer while being an NWSL player like i feel like in a lot of ways i've kind of kept my mouth shut surrounding this as to not create controversy and as to not you know lose my job or my standing or whatever the hell I was concerned with at the time there just need there needs to be a lot everything you guys said is 100% true like there needs to be more support in terms of like mental health there needs to be more support um in terms of like diversity equity and inclusion that all needs to happen there needs to be mechanisms for players to report instances of racism um, so that they're not just sweeped under the rug. There needs to be mechanisms where 
put in place where players don't feel like they are going to be punished for, you know, telling their truth and speaking their truth surrounding racism. Um, You know, it helps to have teammates, you know, who are supporting you. But at the same time, like there needs to be a lot better work being done by players in the league to be supportive to their black teammates straight up. I see very, very, very few genuine allies um, in the league at this current moment for black players. Um, You know, there needs to be training for staff and not just, you know, training that's like, hey, we're ticking a box, like training that genuinely teaches people how to deal with racism and how to confront it in the workplace. I mean, because at the end of the day, like it is a workplace. And the fact that, you know, you're not seeing these structures for diversity, equity, inclusion put in place for these clubs is concerning. Um, So, you know, this is a lot longer of a conversation to be had. And maybe one day I'll tell my story fully. But, you know, I myself was put in positions that I was just very, very, very deeply uncomfortable in and that were, you know, reflecting back very harmful to me. And, you know, in a lot of ways drove me to straight up depression last year. Um, So, you know, there's a lot that needs to be done, but I think there needs to be mandates for diversity, equity, inclusion. There needs to be mandates for mental health (laughs) help for players. There needs to be mandates for, you know, your job will still be secure even if you're um, reporting these instances of racism. Your job will still be safe. you won't fear repercussion. You won't fear, you know, losing playing time for speaking out. Um, and it's it's not happening. And I know it's not happening. And so that's why I get so upset when I see these, like, these, these statements being put out by this league because I just know it's not happening. I, I know for a fact it's not happening. So that's, that's my two cents on that question. Uh, we could have another conversation off camera <laughs> if you all want to know more. But yeah. I definitely feel like, just coming off of what you said, I definitely feel like a lot of times these places, those like these, you know, corporate structures in general like that, they'll do like one PowerPoint on like diversion inclusion and equity you know throw in a couple quotes by kimberly crenshaw and like call it a day and they'll be like yeah we did it we're not racist you know and it needs to go further than that yeah exactly it needs to go and further use kimberly than crenshaw that. incorrectly by the way but okay exactly <laughs> exactly they're not even using her quotes right um like it goes so much like it goes so like it goes so much deeper than what um than what those like little powerpoints say or do you know um there's like i mean there's just so much i can get into but it it just makes me so whenever i see those types of statements it just makes me so mad i'm like you definitely have like y'all have definitely done that little that little powerpoint and y'all still treat your like players of color staff of color terribly and like or, or, or you have I, the performative yes. panel. Yes. I think what pissed me off the most, honestly, and I'm sorry, I don't want to, like, I think what pissed me off the most about that whole, um, the whole discourse thing um, on Twitter, what was it, last, last week, the whole discourse on Twitter is that people were, like, actively, like, 
being like we're actively coming to the rescue of the person you know behind i guess the person behind the social media ever coming to the rescue and being like well but there's a wonderful person da, da, da. well i guess but it doesn't absolve them of what they've done like just because someone Someone is a great person does not absolve them of their racism. It doesn't absolve them of their misogynoir. It doesn't absolve them of their implicit bias. I don't care how good of a person you are. If you don't admit to, if you don't admit to the things that you do or the biases that you have or the lens that you have, then like the work is never going to get done. Yeah. My answer to people who say people are good people is good people went to lynchings and watched people hang from trees. So good doesn't mean anything to me. Nice doesn't mean anything to me. Um, and your grandparents were nice people and were probably at those lynchings, just keeping in the butt. Um, my family had to run away from the South to not die. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't have it in me. I'm sorry. Um, one real quick thing you could do is not find people who speak out against a racist incident while not actually doing anything about a racist incident. That would be a great start. Um, for the few white people who are really trying to, I guess, unlearn, learn, whatever we want to call it. Um. I agree with mandate. I think things should be mandatory. I think we do this dance where um, we want to implement these things, but we're like, oh, well, people can have a choice and da, da, da. And they've co-opted the very language of the, the thing that they're trying to, uh, I guess, change. So um, you have to mandate it because every structure in this country is inherently built <laughs> to be against what we're trying to do, right? So um, I think you have to start there. I think it has to be continual. There is no end journey to unlearning racism or sexism or ableism or transphobia or homophobia, any of it, right? There's no end. Um, you're not completed. You know, it's not a it's not a college course where you're one and done. So um, I think mandating it, um, I would like to see the people from the top down, like actually be in these spaces, be in these conversations because um, you have the power, like until you prove to prove to me otherwise you have the league that you want and it's a pretty racist league so i would maybe question why that is but yeah start with my so a follow-up to that was from doug so what can us as supporters of these teams and this league do to help push that along i mean to me it's just continue to be vocal uh as we've heard, bullying works. We don't have a super league anymore. So keep keep pushing, keep hitting these people on Twitter and fill it and make them fill it in the purse and their wallets and maybe then we'll get some answers because black dollars work. Um, I think and no, black I'm, dollars oh, influence. No, no, you're good. No, sorry. No, I was gonna say I feel like as supporters, especially if you are someone who is a part of a supporter group, like you need to like, I'm not, I'm just trying to tell you this, because, like, I really, I don't want someone to misconstrue it and be like, oh, um, like, you know, this, the, the language that people use for, like, um, when it comes to, like, affirmative action and stuff like that. Um, I guess my, I think my thing is, is that, like, as supporters and especially supporter groups, like, they have the power to, they have the power and they have the power to make spaces um, to like make sure that their spaces are inclusive of everyone and not only inclusive of everyone, but comfortable um, for everyone. Like it's kind of like, you know, it's like an advertising type of thing. It's like, I would want to join a supporter group that I feel comfortable in. And I see other people 
who look like me. And if I don't see other people who look like me, I'm going to think like, hmm, maybe it's not the most comfortable environment for people like me. Like it was part of the, it was the biggest reason why I got so involved with the plastics because I do think that lack of representation, lack of people in, um, in those types of spaces definitely deters um, people from marginalized communities from like wanting to join and stuff like that. And I guess, I don't know. Like, I know it's much easier said than done, I guess. But um, I don't know. Radical inclusion. Like, I don't know how else to say it, but just, you know, make sure that you are pushing for the inclusion of all people. I don't know. <laughs> I guess to piggyback off of Ebony, I know I just make sure that players are being heard because if you're not supporting the players, how do they know that they're being supported? Especially with Sarah Gordon's deal. How do we know? Especially, and because for me personally, I feel like Houston was so quick to just say, oh, put out a statement and say, oh, well, we're looking into it. You didn't even address her by name. They just said a player from, they didn't address her by name. I guess so just really be like, support the players and support, everything that's going on out there because really if you if the players don't feel supportive what's the point of even speaking up i i will say like in my own experience i felt the most support from fans um over anybody else like maybe besides my family <laughs> so i mean i think that just goes to show like how big of an impact fans ca can have on players um even if you might not necessarily know it even if they're not um, very open or vocal about it, um, having that support, like Russ just said, is like very, very important. It helped me through a lot of my shit that I was going through. Um, so yeah, you know, big on accountability, holding the teams that you're supporting accountable. I know in watching this league, I feel a lot of cognitive dissonance almost daily <laughs> just because I simultaneously want to support the players that deserve it. Um, but I also, you know, feel a type of way <laughs> about the league itself. Um, so, you know, just doing your best to hold teams accountable. The dollar matters. Um, at the end of the day, these are organizations, they are money making organizations. Um, so a dollar goes a long way. And, you know, I think, being very cognizant of where you're spending your money um, and what you're doing for these clubs um, is just something to think about as you move forward, you know, in this space. And as you look to create change in the soccer space, just being very cognizant about, you know, what your words are and where your money's going and making sure that they're, they're very aligned. Um, and then, yeah, just supporting players when you can. A question from uh, Kyle uh, from Fort Madison, from Madison, the flop. Uh, what advice would you give to uh, black guys who are interested in getting into women's soccer? That's uh, an interesting question. Um, I mean, uh, well, as I say, for like the WNBA, like watch the games and don't have these preconceived notions because it's women. Like it's football, it's soccer. Um, and come with the open mind. Because they're playing it. And if you want to try to compare it, let me, I'm going to keep it 100. If you're trying to compare MLS to NWSL, like, it's fire. The product that you see on the field. 
that, you know, we have to endure some stuff on ESPN, all the ESPN news, ESPN bedroom, all that. Are you playing every MLS game? Like, but you can't get the NWSL games and they're way higher quality. Like the higher quality you see from the women's games, from soccer and basketball, because it takes so much to even get to the point of being professional and for what you got to go through for the lack of money. Um, come at it with an open mind because, you know, you probably learn something, see something. And yeah, have open minded expectations and come with good thoughts. But yeah, support, um, I guess, locally and wherever you can. That's a start. Yeah, I was going to say that. Start start local um, and support like the, the athletic interest of the Black women in your life. Right. So one reason. I loved sports. This is because my dad was super supportive. He was just as excited to see Brianna Scurry in 99 as I was, right? Like, so, and he's always been really good about that, right? No matter the sport, picking out the Black player and being like, it, you know, that's it. And coaching girls' teams and, and things like that. Like, he just, he was that dad, right? So, in that sense, I'm very lucky. But, yeah, I just think supporting locally, right? Like, go cheer on your high school. Go cheer on your local college. Go cheer on your HBCUs. Go do, you know, go... Go invest and be involved. If you can find it on TV, I know how we broadcast soccer um, in this country is super problematic and it costs money, another pay barrier. Um, but yeah, like go support. If you're near an NWSL city, go see a game if you can. I mean, please be safe, distance, all that good stuff. But just support as locally as you can because soccer is a community sport first. Um and then catch games on TV um, if, you, if you can with Paramount and CBS and wherever else they're showing them. Um, yeah, and just really get into that. Find players whose styles you like. Um, if you need to compare them to, I guess, the men that you've watched, that's fine. Uh, but it is a different game. It's In many ways, it's not. But it, it plays different. It feels different. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful sport if you want to get into it. Um, I think it's a little hard to watch casually, but uh, I think there's a lot of things you can find to like about it. And the same thing with any women's sports. Just keep watching, keep supporting, put your money where your mouth is too, right? Like there's some pretty great jerseys out right now if you want to support that way or buy tickets, um, fund a trip for a local like girl soccer team to go watch an NWSL match or a college match or something. You know what I mean? Just try to help um mitigate the access barrier. I think that's a really good way to start too. But um, yeah, watch. YouTube is there. You can watch some films and highlights if you want to do that. But yeah, start local, work outward. <laughs> I think most importantly too is just like treating, <clears throat> treating women's sports in general with the same respect and reverence that you would treat um, men's sports because I feel like a lot of times um, I've encountered, um, I've encountered this where men will be like, <clears throat> men won't take it as seriously just because it's women's sports, you know? And, um, I was just thinking about this, like, tweet that Yogi actually, <laughs> Yogi had where he was, like, like, talking about how, like, guy, like, you know, it'll look like guys who haven't, like, worked out in, like, 10 years will have the most audacity and be like, yeah, like, these women, they're not as good, like, I can like, be them on the field, and it's like, bro, no, you can't, um, and, like, I think, again, just having that, like, same, same respect, and kind of, like, what we're also seeing here is, like, you know, just go into it with no expectation, just watch it for the sport, and, and an interesting point 
that um that I like thought of kind of a while back was how um you know women and men play soccer differently or play sports or any type of physical activity differently and instead of us being like one is better than the other I think we should just appreciate the differences for um for what it is um like for example I was watching this um I was watching this interview for the oh shit what happened <laughs> I thought it was me after the three shots and I was so confused <laughs> I was like did my internet go out again no <laughs> oh shit that was well, some good points though <laughs> We're going to let her come back in a couple minutes. Um, sorry, Nicole. Uh, so, um, I guess as a follow-up, uh, Joseph asked from Banter Pub, uh, what can black men do to sh- show support for women's soccer? And what can they improve upon in terms of supporting and, I guess, showcasing? One thing that I just thought of, and I guess this thought, like, isn't just for men, um, isn't just specifically for black men, but for all people who are, like, starting to get into women's sports and are actively trying to be, like, anti-racist, I feel like, you know, dispelling the myth that, like, a black player has to be a certain way or that they automatically have, like, certain qualities or that, you know... I forget who I was talking. Oh, I was on two cents and we were talking about, uh, you know, that pipeline that puts black women consistently from center forward to center back. It happened to me. Um, so I think just like educating yourself, not just on, you know, the teams and all that stuff, but on the actual fundamentals of soccer is something that I think a lot of men don't do. And specifically the fundamentals of like women's soccer in the way that the sport functions differently. Um, just so you can kind of arm yourself with ammunition to not to, or to defend like black women in this space. That's, I think, you know, a lot of times black men can have a very powerful influence on those spaces. Um, and so just, you know, being able to defend black women within the sport and being able to do that by educating yourself on the specifics of the sport and, you know, what problems that they're, they are facing in the sport is a good way for me. I think that people can start. I literally was making note of that um, on Saturday. No, Sunday was the was the second leg of the Champions League. And I was literally like, I tweeted uh, when Dudek, who is white, uh, ran down somebody. They're like, deceptive speed, which is what they say when white girls are fast. Um, and then I think Sandy Baltimore was on the ball and I think she had pace and power. I was like, ah, there it is. Shit. <laughs> like, um, but just the idea, yeah, like you said, that people get categorized. Like, I know Crystal Dunn speaks out about this quite a bit, um, having been in that pipeline, uh, same as you. Um, but just, yeah, how you how you speak about it. Um, black people can be midfielders, by the way. I just want to point that out. Um, Free mid we're smart, we're and smart. Crystal Dunn. I'm like, Midge is balling today. Like, are you kidding me right now? But um, no, I'm upset about it. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanted to say black, oh, you coward, but I didn't want to say that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, just giving us ample chances, right? And please don't call us hybrids if you're not actually going to play us in multiple uh, positions. That would be great. Um, so we're hybrids in theory, but not for real. Um so yeah, just supporting in different styles of play, right? I think particularly in America, we get sucked into this. This is the way you have to play soccer. 
Um, again, because people have been priced out and ex- excluded and things of that way. So, or that nature. So the thinking doesn't necessarily go beyond that very limited um, box, right? Tactically or anything else. And so even knowing what to do with that kind of talent seems to be really hard to so just, um, yeah, I'm with Kai on that one. Like even how you speak about it, but just supporting players no matter where they play um, and also support your black goalkeepers because you won't get a lot of those either. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyone else? Let's, I'm going to move it to a little bit of our fun uh, topic. Uh, there's some badass ladies on this on this roundtable with some really dope platforms and really dope podcasts. Um, I want to know what's been the most rewarding part about putting yourself out there on these, pro- like, on these platforms, um, especially in 2020s. Uh, and beyond I can speak um you know it's really hard kind of bearing all to people a lot of times it's hard living your pain live for people to see to try and get some semblance of you know growth out of them it's hard putting your trauma on display to educate people um but you know the most rewarding part with all of that for me has been being able to actually see a difference being made. Um, just in the way that, you know, people will tell me that, you know, my story has either like inspired them to speak out or has changed their perspective on a certain issue or, um, you know, there's a whole variety of things. But for me, that has definitely been the most rewarding and it's why I continue to do what I do. Um, just because you can see that there is a difference being made and, I hope to continue to do that, even though this is like a real, I'm sure we all know this is a really hard, hard space to operate in Um, day in and day out. It feels like this kind of toxic cycle of feeling okay and then being re-traumatized by something else and then, you know, trying to pick up the pieces from that and then being okay and then being re-traumatized. in a lot of ways, it gets tiring. And a lot of times it feels like you're yelling into a void and people aren't listening. But, you know, just knowing that there is change happening. Um, and also just one of the most rewarding parts has been the community I've been able to make for myself. Like, I have met some of the most incredible, inspiring people in the soccer world and in this space. And just through sh- telling something as simple as my story And for me, that's been very selfishly like a really amazing thing to come out of of this for me, just because, you know, I have people that I'll I'll be cool with for the rest of my life and can relate to me and my experiences. Um, So, yeah. Hey, y'all, real quick. I know you're enjoying this unique episode of the Black Women Supporters Roundtable. We just wanted to shout out Dysphoria United. Their podcast centers to celebrate black women in the global game of soccer. They just did a recent episode with some players from Gotham FC, the new team in NWSL. It's not really a new team. They just rebranded, but the design is dope. Anyway, you can get all your podcasts, all any podcast player, follow them at Disporia United on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure you follow Courtney and Dre. They're awesome people. So, with that being said, let's get back to the episode. Take a break. 
Yeah. Um, I think a lot of that's the same, right? I think, again, one of the appeals of soccer is community. And so being able to find that and know that it's not just me, right? Particularly as a Black woman who doesn't come from a family uh, that does soccer, though my mother Googled soccer terms because she listened to the podcast for the first time. So progress, right? Uh, love you, mom. Sorry, I cussed. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think just that sense of community and that um, I'm not nuts, right? Like I'm not, I'm not reading the situation wrong, right? There is a level of validation, uh, like I am a Gemini, but so I don't need a whole lot of it most of the time, uh, but every now and then, uh, it's nice to, to have it, right? So, um, but just knowing we're not alone and that what we're seeing and what we're saying, what we're feeling is completely valid and it's true, um, unfortunately, seemingly every day. Um, but yeah, and just being in this with other people, um, as a black woman, I'm always going to seek out other black women. I think, um, it makes for the strongest communities. We we're all we have almost all the time. So, um, yeah, I think being able to find that, uh, in something that I'm passionate about finding a pretty decent, uh, nah, you're cool. Finding a good podcast host, uh, to do this with is, yeah, it's just been really rewarding. Um, and I hope it continues to be right. Um, yeah, I love, I love doing this. So I love talking about soccer. So yeah, that's it. Um, I guess it would be like, yeah, like golf, Akaya and Sills said like the community, but then, yeah, not only feeling validation from what you're seeing, but even for like the fun stuff, like when I have crazy ideas, like, you know, I'm not crazy in some of these theories that I have when we play in GM, um, and then even me and Sills being able to talk like crazy football and then spin off crazy foolishness uh, and then be able to put it on a podcast. That's cool. And then even having conversations with people from, you know, around the world uh, validating or arguing, you know, because I got I have a public that public account because I was tired of seeing hot takes, um, bad hot takes, not based in film, in fact. And so I had to like speak and then it got me in the world of conversations and we got a podcast and so you know being able to do that being able to interact with people being able to feel valid for the foolishness but then for the foolishness that's good and cool and fun you know um yeah and, and meet you know the equivalent of black twitter for football that's cool that's some dope shit yeah black soccer twitter is undefeated don't let anybody tell you otherwise because even in this <laughs> even even about even in terms of the uh, Super League, you know, we talking about that it's a bad situation. But if we had to endure the Wednesday night football games with the Joe Buck and then, you know, all the craziness, the all-star game in the Milan and Atlanta, and, you know, all the performing arts places with the polls, you know, it would have been a mess. But let me show <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how Man City called AC Milan and Inter at the same damn time. They were playing phone roulette. It's a whole other conversation. We'll talk about that afterwards. It's okay. Uh, but speaking for myself, uh, it's kind of helped me. Being in these spaces has helped me like grow friendships. Friendships, Ooh, words. Some three shots. I'm sorry. Um, because I think soccer is universal. So everywhere you go, there's someone that speaks that language of soccer or football. Um, so to have that in common with someone, even if it is for 90 minutes, can create some of the biggest friendships that you could have for a lifetime. 
Like, I wouldn't have some of the friends I have if it wasn't for me going to Wake Med Soccer Park every weekend for two years. Or I wouldn't have some of the friends I had if I didn't do that Dos Acero in fucking Ohio. Hopefully, I never have to go back to Ohio. Um, but it's those friendships that these spaces, these podcasts, these supporters groups, these that this game can make within 90 minutes of meeting someone that kind of helped me love this game even more. Uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where I've come from with it. I think for me, especially because Rose Room is still so new, it's definitely been this, like, this nice like cohesion of like, oh, I have friends that are, that look like me and love the sport. And that's been really rewarding. And just like, having the group as in itself has been really nice, especially with players backing us like Tegan McGrady, Sarah Gordon. I mean, it's just, it's really nice. And it's really cool to, you know, see people in the league say like, Hey, you exist and we acknowledge you. I feel like the best part for me is just again, like finding people who look like me and like finding people who look like me who are also who also love the sport like as much if not even more than i do and it's just like that i don't know i don't know how to describe the feeling but it's just like that feeling when you're around like you know you're in a group of like other black people and you're like oh this feels great like you know <laughs> like, you don't have to like mask anything like you're just like you're with your people but also like in general too it's just been nice to like kind of just be yourself and have people like um, root for you and like validate your experiences and just validate who you are as a person. Like, um, like I still call my, I like whenever, like when I, when I got the interview for, or when I got like the message um, to be part of this round table, I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, like fangirl. Like, so I'm like, Oh my God. And, um, I'm like, you know, like, it, it's just crazy to me because I still think of myself as, like, you know, some random girl from New Jersey with a loud-ass opinion, and um, everybody else was like, no, like, you deserve to be there. Like, you deserve to have, um, you deserve to have a seat at the table. Um, so it's just been, like, I don't know, it's been nice to have people, like, kind of just support you and have a group of people who look like you. Uh, so just so everybody knows, we are still taking questions from – Everyone watching, thank you all for watching, by the way. Um, but I'm going to keep going as long as the, as long as everyone here wants to keep going. Um, so another question I had was, uh, we've come so far with this game, but as we saw with the opening weekend, there's still so far to go. Um, but where do you see this game progressing in three years, um, a.k.a. to the next World Cup? Because... The USA is not going to be on top forever, um, but it's hard not to see them earning that fifth star as well. Um, so where do you see, not just USA, but all over, where do you see the world progressing with women's soccer before 2023 in Australia? Um, it's it's going to get blacker real fast, so I would super suggest that people get real comfortable with some stuff for a while because all the people coming in terms of USA still wants to be on top aren't white like 
the the people with the generational talent aren't white anymore. So, um, and that's again, in spite of all the racist ways that you tried to make it, uh, make them not be a part of this equation. So uh, I've been screaming that into the void for a while. Like you, whether you want to or not, you better get get right because it's coming and it's here, quite frankly. Um, you know, just seeing what Brianna's doing, seeing what Trinity's doing, some of the other players. Um, yeah, we're here now. So get right or go with God. I don't know what to tell you at this point. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. And I think that's true in many countries, right? Because it's obviously racism and anti-Blackness is a global uh, commodity. So um, I, I would say that for most federations, you might want to figure out what this next three years are going to look like. Um, and we're not going to be on top forever, but I think we'll always be competitive in so long as we essentially have a free talent pool, right? That's a whole different conversation um, in terms of being able to just put people from college who don't get paid to play sports. So, um, yeah, I think uh, soccer is going to, in America for sure, is going to have to have, sorry, the United States, I don't want to exclude uh, the entire continent, um, but we're, we're going to have to have a reckoning whether uh, the white establishment wants to or not. So, um yeah, we're giving you the tools. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you after that. Um, so I feel that if we're... So what's going to happen inevitably is if you don't fumble the bag, it's going to be a lot of coin being thrown. And so there's going to be... This sport, if you do it correctly, could be a billion-dollar situation, uh, situation on the woman's side alone. And so it's like, are you going to invest correctly? Are you going to get like marketing because i mean when you are getting forced to embrace culture because it's coming um there's mad opportunity from apparel for my cutoff uh football jerseys uh to my uh tank tops to my long sleeves to the stuff that match my shoes to the hats you know to the headbands to all that you know everything then you got the you know, the endorsement deals. So when Nike, not my, not Nike, when uh some hip hop artist is rocking the North Carolina Courage kit or, you know, Beyonce got her own Houston Dash line, you know, you got to get right because the, the coin is coming. Now, in terms of the talent, it's going to be bleedy black. Um, I personally believe because Blacko is an actual coach of tactics and is an asshole and he's trying to dominate, like, he's not trying to be nice and just kind of win. He wants object domination. So it's going to happen. Um, You know, this might be as white as the team is before, you know, the turnover that's coming. So people got to mentally prepare themselves. Like, you're going to have a real, real black team. You just got to get comfortable with it. Got to figure it out, work it out, go to therapy. Get through your fragility. It's going to be okay. But he's trying to win games and embarrass people. He's trying to beat France 50 to zero. Like, that kind of level of stuff. So... People can catch up, but then he's trying to invent new offenses, defenses, new stuff, like whatever. Like it's like if you watch the tape, you see the foolishness that's coming. But like, are you ready to embrace it? Because it's gonna be black and brown. Um, and so yeah, that could happen over next. That should be happening over the next five years. Um, uh, whether or not the NWSL in particular gets itself together, puts teams in markets like Oakland, Atlanta, uh you know, and invest and make things happen and embrace the culture will dictate if they're fumbling the bag, the coins, or they stacking paper. You know, that's all. Hey, guys. Last ass break of the episode. We just wanted to shout out Plastics um, Supporters Group. You can follow them online on Twitter as PlasticSG, but pretty much they're a group of women that works on making the game more inclusive for minorities and people of color within the game. They have one simple thing. 
You can hang out with us and you can support us. You just have to make sure that you're not racist, sexist, homophobe, transphobe, or anyone that's not down for radical inclusion. So with that being said, make sure you follow and support Plastic SG online on Instagram and on Twitter. So, I promise this is the last ad break. Let's get back to the episode. I feel like, you know, the women's game is just getting bigger. Um, As much as it's getting blacker, it's getting bigger. I'm super excited for the expansion teams, specifically in the U.S. Um, but you know, I think it's I think it's going to gain momentum in the next few years. I mean, you know, we here in the U.S. our women's team is our national team that we respect. Um, so, uh, you know, from that aspect, I think you know, as we keep dominating on the world stage, uh, it'll keep gaining momentum and. I mean, I'm hoping that the women's game continues to grow. You see the engagement that even, you know, college teams are getting. Um, and, you know, even college teams can pull 12,000 fans. So I really think that momentum is building. And I'm hoping that a lot more markets are going to be open to NWSL teams because the the desire to watch women's soccer is there. It is there. Uh, people will pay. And, you know, it's just whether or not that investment is being put into the the women's game. So I'm excited to see, you know, where the game goes in the next few years. I definitely think it'll be blacker and browner. I definitely think it'll get bigger. And, you know, I'm excited. And, that, you know, as it gets bigger, that's why I think we need to make sure that we're walking kind of the straight and narrow in terms of uh, anti-racist work because, you know, we can't expand ideals of white supremacy as the, the game continues to grow. We can't allow for it to continue to get wider. We can't allow for it to continue to get more racist. Um, so, yeah. Honestly, the only time that I have ever felt like I ever felt like going out and buying a USA flag and just waving it around like um, like nobody's business is whenever the women, the U.S. like the U.S. women's national team like won and they won a game or they won the whole thing. I'd be like, "Yep, that's my country." Um, yeah, I've like, never been really more American. <laughs> I've never been more American than in supporting the women's national team. Exactly. Cause they're, they're just good. And, and I think that like, I still think it's so funny that, um, you know, whenever the U S men's team, like they do the, they go to the, um, what's the thing again? The qualifiers and they like lose every time. And people are like so defeated. Like they're like, oh, like it just sucks. Like I wish, I wish we could go to the World Cup, and I'm like, we have to start watching, like, women's soccer, because, like, they're actually, like, really good, and I definitely think I've been seeing that, like, excitement um, bubble up for the past couple of years, like, even from non, um, like, non-soccer people get really excited about um, the women's, like, the women's, um, like, the U.S. women's national team, like, start getting excited about that, and I think, um, if we can keep that momentum going for the next couple of years, I really think that, um, though, like we can at least make, like we can at least make, um, watching like the women's national team, like easier and like make it more, 
like mainstream, I guess, and kind of like hopefully that becomes like the norm of like you know like we'll be like oh like let's go like let's go to like let's go watch the um like go watch the like U.S. women's team at the local bar and like get like wrecked while they're like winning, you know. <laughs> um, and I would definitely I don't know it's just like that ex- there's just that like excitement of like um like you're kind of on the precipice of something like really important or something really big it was almost it was the same feeling that i got when like within the past year i felt like there was a like a bigger renewed interest well not renewed but i felt like there was like, a bigger interest in like women's basketball like i felt like the interest was starting to get I mean, the interest there's always an interest there but like i feel like even for non-basketball people like because of the work that the women's um, women's basketball, like WNBA has been doing, they've been getting a lot more attention. And I think the want to like watch w, the w, the watch, want the want to watch and support the WNBA um, has definitely gotten like bigger. And so I'm hoping that like we can just continue that momentum for like all women's sports. And also because like you know WNBA, I'll marry all of them if I could. <laughs> But um, but yeah. Can I? I think for me, like, and I and I hate the comparison, but like, I want to get to a point where at any point I can turn on one of the major networks and there's an oversaturation of like women's soccer coverage, where there's like analysis show after analysis show, or um, you know, we have whole shows dedicated to the transfer window, or just you know things like that. And I don't want to emulate the men's game per se, but I want that level of just like, I want to be able to shit talk about my club team. You know what I mean? Like I just, I want to be able to do that. Right. I think that's where I would like us to get, but with a more sound structure and a lot more anti-racism. <laughs> I want an all-star game in the, uh, Atlanta. I want the all-star game in LA. I want the all-star game, wherever worldwide. I want to be turned up lit. I want it to be like, I want it to be an owner of a team because I want the kind of litness that you like, man. That was undefeated. Scott put on the event of the century because, yeah. Are you <laughs> NBA All-Stars? NWSL? NWSL? WNBA? Like, I was like, I want the whole, I want to transform your thought of what an All-Star weekend was, what a whatever, the draft. It'd be undefeated. Like, change. <laughs> Sky is trying to host the CIAA of, uh, uh <laughs> of NWSL and I'm with it. We don't uh, even know yeah, what yeah. we don't yeah, even know what the final is. We'll talk about what happens to the <laughs> I just hope that it's in Atlanta because listen, I'm I'm just I'm just trying to get flued out for that. Like, hey, we was trying to get fluked out. Yeah, you get fluked out. I want that kind of level. People get it fluked out. Dollars hitting the ceiling. Yeah, new Are we about to hit Magic City Bonser, for NWSL? Yeah. Magic City, <laughs> Stokers. You what is that even open? Uh, Onyx, all that. Let me Onyx, okay. <laughs> I'm from Atlanta. Think about, it, think about it, Onyx uh, and like Onyx and Magic City as sponsors for that All Star Weekend. Sky just literally went Southside Atlanta <laughs> for well, yeah, All Star Weekend. Yeah, I'm from the uh, I'm from the Swats. Southwest Atlanta, too strong. Yeah, that's what it is. Okay, I'm wild. Okay, hey. all right. <laughs> I ain't mad at it. <laughs> I ain't mad at it. We just not gonna remember that weekend and we can't talk about that weekend. <laughs> Whatever it is. 
All right. Uh, so we got a couple questions from people watching along. Um, Joseph incorrectly asked, who was the best dressed women's side in football and why is it the Orlando Pride? Orlando Pride, he's wrong. Um, I mean, it's a nice jersey, but I'm always rep my team. So get out of here. Love you, mean it though. You just did a whole episode on this. Um, I think the Thorns are, but I guess that's up for debate, kind of. Oof. It's probably the thorns, and that's very hard for me to say. Ooh, ooh. As a church to. fan, no. But I'm not gonna um, lie, I want to practice. Ebony, you know, you know me, you know what I wear, you know what my style is, you know what my brand is. So you already know what the answer is gonna be, and it's gonna be the Portland Thorns. Like I'm <sighs> like they're one of the, they the Portland as much as I do not wanna like you know, give any props to the Portland Thorns right now. But, like, they were one of the first jerseys I ever, like, truly fell in love with because I'm, like, this is, like, this is me. I can, like, so easily incorporate it into my wardrobe without having to buy, like, other stuff. Like, it's just, it was clean. It goes so well with, like, all the colors that I actually wear, you know? Like, I love this. The Atlanta Pride is really nice, but, like, purple as a color just really does not work for me. Like, it's cool. It's nice. I will admit that it is a nice is a nice jersey, but like purple, not for me. Wait a minute, Orlando Pride, that jersey's fine. Where, where you at? I feel you. It's it's fire. It's, it's fine. It's, 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 it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, it's nice, but I'm it's always... better than the North Carolina situation. I didn't know it had the ocean. Whoa! Whoa. I, didn't, I didn't know it had the Hold ocean on. to the picture. Do you want me to? Do you want me to show? You you? Look, it looked like I thought it was a navy blue t shirt, so it was no. nice to Whoa. see. Like that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Whoa! I'm about to get rooted on. I am wrong. I'm gonna tell you the truth, like straight up. But that's what I'm saying. Like the Orlando. This situation. thing is pure fire. I can't wait for the white one. I am definitely ordering that one. It's gonna yeah, that, be on a, the back. But okay, that's fire because like that was an improvement because the white t-shirt situation and the navy t-shirt situation going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like, why am I dropping 120 something dollars for a plain t-shirt? When with I mean, the Orlando, you got the purple to the black, and then you got all the you feel like you in space. Now they need to play like they in space, but you get all the whole thing. And if no, I can no, get no. me a Pride's jersey with the till, first like, of call all, me up, man. The Pride is like, very predictable. Their back line has been the same for four wait, years. Wait, 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 we gotta go there. Don't <laughs> slander them. Like we, they work it. Well, they don't got a midfield, but that's a whole nother. Uh, there's they a don't whole, have a back line either, and they definitely got the one scoring up front. Wait, what? What? It's a tactical Ooh. situation. You, you got like show. a four. You got a four. <laughs> no, you got like a four-two-four. Four. I don't what, know. Put what people on what the tactics field. is no defense, just vibes. That's ask Mark Skinner that. Like that's the question I mean, we gotta I have. We like come in here and say Gotham's jersey is really great too. Oh, yes, that's garbage. Like that's a that is a plain blue jersey. That's okay. I'm gonna chill out. I like the blue. Listen, I love the, the stars. Hanging, hanging out back there. The worst jersey of the year is definitely gonna be the Louisville Racing one. It's trash. It's garbage. If they it's trash. trash. Mint green. It would have been trash. It's Sorry. trash. It looks we like your grandma's It looks like your grandma's blanket on her couch. It looks like the last minute Easter dress your mama made you pick out. Chill out. That's the worst jersey of the year. Yo, we get a band. We get a band. Your grandma's couch with the plastic on it. Exactly. One hundred percent. 
Thank you. But also, Orlando is trash. They will always be trash. Next Why question. Why you gotta do that? What's all that anger for? All no they gotta anger. do. All they gotta do is get a right coach. I could be the coach. It's all about I, a rivalry. Put, put Marta and Larue. Uh, put them up there somewhere. They already there. Somewhere up there. Put them up there they somewhere already. up there. You can't oh, yeah, play. Also, we score four. And we, if you score four, yeah, we you, score five. Yeah, if y'all yeah, not scoring one. Yeah, but, <laughs> well, even uh, shout out to the Chicago Red Stars. I used to be on that narcotic too, but I had to get off. Oh, y'all, my girl. When y'all traded her to Houston. Okay, I'm going We're going to keep this one going, everybody. Uh, Kyle asks, what player, press or present would you have coffee with? I don't like coffee, so nobody... I just don't like any of these players. So next, <laughs> um, um, any like, any any soccer player or like NWSL Pacific. To idolize a player is to have hope, and hope is the one thing that kills you. So I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> wow. wait, wait, wait. Are we talking like? Are we talking like coffee or like coffee? I think probably just like sitting down, just having like a conversation, right? Maybe. Because if it's just like sitting down, having a conversation, um, who I want to converse with? Oh, I want to talk to Sydney LaRue on a real ass level to know what the hell. Because oh. I want the unfiltered memoir. Like, I want the unfiltered 411. Like, tell me how you feel. Like, I want to know. That's I fair. Know. Like, I want to know. For her to go from Kansas City to Orlando the way that she did to follow her husband when she was clearly the better talent for at least two of those years, um, I want to hear it all. I'm not going to lie. Love is real. Same yeah. thing with Alex. Same <laughs> thing with Alex Morgan. Like, she was clearly love the better of the three. She's make, She's the breadwinner. Hey, love, the does, love makes you love do stupid, foolish things, <laughs> as I've learned in my old age. Look out for uh, yourself, y'all. Sometimes. Don't do it, kids. Don't do it. <laughs> no, protect your brand. That is why she still has Morgan on the back and not Carrasco. Just throwing that out there. Well, that's a that's a that's real. True story. It's um, a homegirl wow. summer. <laughs> we in these streets, you know. I'm yeah, here. we have streets. I'm, I'm Pfizer free now, so I'm <laughs> <laughs> Pfizer gang. <laughs> Pfizer. First of all, it's if it's, it's, one, if it's, if it's one advice you got from New Jersey. Never fall in love. Moderna have you twitching. <laughs> I I did with Jordan. I was fine. I, I was like a hundred percent fine. You the one person? I know Pfizer like had me messed up, but then I moved like a bajillion pounds of weight trying to get the sale from the Dick Sporting Goods for the lifting stuff because I be in the gym. But anyway, like I was stupid after my first shot. Then it kicked me the next few days, but it's gonna be okay. <laughs> but we gonna be out. I don't know if I want to have coffee with somebody. I would like to know what Sarah Gordon actually said to Shade Room. Uh, That's it, oh. Sarah. Sarah. That's not what Sarah said. She choosing violence on a Tuesday at eight o'clock. <laughs> I mean, we do want to know, Sarah. Come, come through, come through. Shade by the streets. We. <laughs> I mean, if we gonna bring the smoke, if you had to bring the smoke against one player, who would it be? Is the answer not Rachel? I feel like I'm gonna <laughs> exclude myself from this conversation. <laughs> I just feel like people want to fight her. Man. Yo, MTV. 
my team but just lost. Hold on. My like team just lost, so I'm gonna get hella messy. Yeah. Uh, on a oh, Tuesday night. We I'm, just lost. They just scored in extra time, four three. And Bills black, goal, black goals win the game. You know what I mean? But, so. Yeah, you got to put more. See, that's what I'm saying. You put more goals in the net, then you win. You don't need defense. You just need to put offense. Let's go. <laughs> Race car, oh, Ferrari. Oh. You're saying that to a defender, fam. <laughs> I, was a, I was a defender. I was a defender. Like I'm saying, I was a defender. I understand you need to go, 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 go. Be great. <laughs> Offense, that was a fun game, though. Now you lit. Yeah. You I mean, I got hey. beef with someone from the What's league. That one? I got beef with Ashton Harris. Um, uh-huh. Oh, so that's the ang- that's the anger at Orlando. <laughs> I was wondering. I was like, damn. That's really well, this was year. This was years before she ever played at Orlando. Uh, no, this actually started with Orlando because they tried to get me banned. Yeah. They said I said some racist, homophobic, sexist things over a right? You see this whole face? Um <laughs> over a megaphone. Um I'd be like what? Oh gosh, there were so many players I got beef with. Who was that one player that um is NWSL player? I'm I'm so bad with name. That she like I think after I was like everybody was kneeling except for her. Like uh, on my team? On my team? No, it was just like I don't know, I was making this rounds on I I it was my fault that I wasn't more into it. I was like making the rounds on like soccer Twitter was some like uh, white player. I was like I know that was kneeling except for this like one white player. Oh, from Chicago. Like, from Chicago. Um, yeah, I think it was Chicago. A, a relevant name, I don't remember. Um, but I know who you're There's talking so about. <laughs> like, that <laughs> because, because it was it was um, Casey and it was performative Julie together on the field, <laughs> and she literally placed two fingers on her shoulder. To say I too have experienced racism, and <laughs> but like a finger, a finger's worth. A finger. <laughs> just one finger, one and a half, one and a half. Hey, um, hey, basically like, the NWSL, uh, the NWSL promo and the mini movie for the Challenge Cup that saved and changed the world from racism with that little act. Those two fingers, we we saw racism. It's better I than the Kumbaya. She's the gender of NWSL. She's passing on the Pepsi. <laughs> no, you know what? Donald Wine asks, <laughs> when y'all choose violence on Twitter, how can black men assist in backing y'all up? Be violent with us. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get the tambourines. Get the church clap. Answer, right? Just say the church clap. Bro. You need shooters at this point, man. You need to come on. So are we just the point guard in this situation? What are we like? Well, if the chopper's know. gonna spray, you gonna spray the chopper. Like, all right. As you can see, we be on that Malcolm X energy. We trying so hard to behave. I do not practice nonviolence. I try very hard. We be um, trying to behave. Like I we, wake we up and it chooses me. The violence chooses me. When that's I what I'm up. talking about. That's what I'm talking about. That's I've got crazy people in my mentions right now talking about receipts 
and I ain't seen a damn one yet. And <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day for them to pull up to wait at soccer park. Shaylin said they may wait at soccer park so that we can look at them together. Sam. I mean, she was making it seem like she had like the CVS, like the CVS version. No, right? She bought a piece. She bought a pack of gum, and she had the whole receipt. And I'm like, show me, show me. And I ain't seen it yet. Y'all should have let me drink. I'm gonna go all in now. I think you know handling the naysayers and the mentions. I don't like dealing with that. Every once in a while, I'll like quote tweet a troll or something, or quote tweet something that's problematic just so people can see what I'm dealing with consistently. So maybe y'all can just handle that. Like, let me just talk my shit and you guys can handle all the repercussions that I don't need to deal with. Because I am working on keeping my peace and you know, staying centered, have my crystals, I light my candles, I try and find my peace. So, black men, y'all can handle that. Um, that can when be your job. Protect black women, that's what we need. Or you support and provide the ammo for the spray, because I'm about that life. Like, let the people know, I am about that. If you have issues with me, you can appear in the DM, and we can have a, we can be, we can have a grown-up conversation. I'm gonna leave it at that. There we go. But yeah, support. Either let people stay in their, you know, they sage the, uh, if you sage in the place and you trying to contain your energy, or you ready to go off, like, be supportive. Either way. Be supportive of the the artillery spray or the uh, peace and relaxation. Yeah. I'm, listen, I'm on, I'm on like 50 milligrams of Vivan. So if you catch me during the day, I'm ready to let that chopper sink. Uh, <laughs> but I think even as like like for me like even as someone who is like <laughs> like like I you know I I even I acknowledge my own privilege as someone who is like um like lighter skin and I have like you know three C hair like I still fight for um like for other black women who um you know I still fight for other black women so I think if I can do it and I can recognize my own privilege like other people don't have any excuse not to um you know jump in and like help or, you know jump in and fight or like you know try to keep the peace or like, try to keep someone's you know peace yeah i recognize that too because i'm a part of the highlighter coalition i'm quite light-skinned you know the blessings of the genes of the native americans and the that run in my blood um with the uh african lineage um yeah so yeah i feel that yeah that's why I want to talk about like colorism. We're going to have some eps where we get into racism and we talk about the colorism foolishness where y'all act like certain players aren't black or you ignore super melanin based players. And see, that's going to piss some people off because we're going we gonna to go there. They're not there yet. We're going to have to wait. Well, yeah. <laughs> that's not a conversation they're ready for. They ain't ready no. for that. But we're going to go there. Y'all just get ready though. Cause, I mean, we being peaceful. We being peaceful in our podcast for now. There's always appropriate time to choose violence. Just throwing that out there. I still think, though, that one of the things that, like, not, not like, we in particular, but I think, like, in general, <clears throat> one thing I wish we could have, like, talked more about, like, as a whole, like, black women soccer Twitter is, like, you know, black women who play soccer, like, like, how do you protect your hair? Like, how do you, what do you do with your hair? Like, 
How do you yes. protect your hair? Like, what do you do? Because like, even with my hair, like when I was playing sports, I didn't know what the fuck to do because like I'm like I don't want to like if I put it up for too long, it feels gross. Like it's not gonna look nice. But if I wash it, it's, like it's not a wash day yet. Like. Like, I need help. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know. That conversation is happening with the um, NCAA Women's Tournament. And, like, faces are beard, people got lashes. Oh, what you said. Like, just, I looked a mess when I played sports. Like, at no point, at no point did I have my stuff together. See, um, I'm in the camp of, like, I get my eyelashes done. I got them done throughout, like, most of my career at UCLA, I used to play with like these long ass acrylic nails just because I was always going to be the baddest on the field. That's for sure. Um, so, yeah, no, I, you know, obviously my hair is different, but uh, like in terms of having a beat face, my face was always beat. So. Yeah, like, I want to know, because, like, even, like, I want to say, hey, Jessica McDonald, how you doing your locks? Because I see they be five, um, and they're pretty long. Like, how you doing the maintenance on that? Yeah, I got several questions for several people. Like, yeah, like, how you do? how you take care of the hair? Who's your support? Who you got out here? Because I've been trying to find a loctician in L.A., if y'all know somebody, uh, to, like, you know, so I don't have to do it myself. So this magic here just doesn't happen by myself. You know, somebody can do it. Who's doing the eyebrows? How you staying, you know, how you staying right? What's the concealer? Uh, how's it not drip dripping? You know, how to who who's doing the threading of the eyebrows, whatever. Yeah, these are good conversations. I would want to know. So you're basically asking for vibe checks in the middle of a game. Appreciate you. Uh what you yes. Hey. yes. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I mean, we can roll with that. I whatever these players need to look good, feel good, play good, I'm good with it. So, if you need the eyelashes done, just go for it. However you, however you getting the hair done, however you getting it right, whatever you need. Because I mean, I know play like I know male players that have their rituals of like they can only get a haircut like the Thursday before a game because that's good luck or some bullshit like that. And I don't. Everybody has their rituals. So like whatever you got to do to go out and score another goal because scored again today. It hurt that we didn't play defense and we lost 4-3, but whatever. Not hurt. Just sad. I'm a little tipsy. It's the preseason. It's going to be okay. Yeah, it's preseason. <laughs> Just think, they did all that Twitter hype for a preseason game. We're not oh, going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. We're not gonna but, I mean, some... but the better game? team won. It's okay. What? I'm sorry. Can I cut her mic? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ladies, y'all have been amazing. Uh, if anybody else has another question for us uh, that's watching along, uh, please ask. Um, I appreciate every single one of y'all for coming on. We've been going at this for about an hour and a half. Um, so uh, I think that's – if y'all want to keep going, I'm down to keep going. I'm here all night. I got a haircut at 12 o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow, so I'm good for however long we need to go. <laughs> but I want to respect y'all's time. Uh, so um, that said, final questions here. Um, and while we're waiting for those to come in, I'm going to let y'all go around the room and uh, plug whatever y'all need to plug, whatever podcast y'all are on, 
I'm going to go ahead real quick and plug Courtney and Diaspora United because they're doing some fire things with uh, Andre. Uh, I appreciate them, even though she couldn't be here because she was covering the Gotham versus Courage game, which Gotham won for three uh, in extra time. It hurt me to say that score. Uh, but shout out to them. They're doing good things. Uh, I can't wait to see what comes up from them. Uh so while we're waiting for those last minute questions, uh, if you guys want to start going around the room, Sylvs, if you want to start. Sure. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest plug is our podcast, uh, Shea Butter FC. Um, and it's SBFC underscore podcast at, uh, on Twitter. I got to ask, how you come up with that name? Oh, it was because uh, it was, I think it might have been. It was either Kristen Prescott or a... Uh, might have been a midge goal. I don't remember. Uh, it was a scene goal that some black player hit, and I just screamed Shea Butter Bomb one day, and uh, it stuck. I was like, that's the name. Uh, it sounded really black and really like a black woman, to be quite honest with you. So, uh, yeah, it's random, but it worked. And then you can find me on Twitter as well, as well at, uh, at Southern Sills. Hi. Sorry. Um, I have my new podcast, Unfiltered, with Kaya McCullough, that you can follow on both Instagram and Twitter, at UnfilteredWKM. And then I also just launched, um, myself and a few others just launched uh, the Anti-Racist Soccer Club, um, which is super cool. And you can find us on Twitter at ARSC Coalition. And, you know, I highly encourage everybody who's listening to get their supporter groups to join the coalition to help hold some of these organizations accountable in the soccer space. Um, But yeah, that's kind of what I got going on. And my personal Twitter, if you want to hear my ramblings is Hayakaya. So yeah, thanks for having me. Nicole. Uh, Sorry. I was on mute for a second. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what to plug. Uh, obviously, um, the classics go follow us at, um, I'm a really bad co moderator because I just need to pull up the, um, the ad real quick so I don't, um, you know, I don't mess it up. <laughs> but, uh, go follow plastics, um, SG at, it's at the plastics underscore SG. Um, we've been, um, working obviously with everything that's been going on. Um, we've been trying really hard to restructure and, um, you know, keep our momentum going and, you know, do some really amazing things, especially with uh, soccer, like actual soccer coming up. Um, we're trying real hard. And, um, but if you want to follow me, um, I yell a lot. So I tweet about the things that come in, that just literally pop into my head and I tweet about it. Some of it is soccer, some of it is not. So if you want to follow me, that's XO underscore Glen Coco. Um, and uh, give a, wanted to give a quick shout out to my, um, my supporter group, uh, the Red Bulls, which is um, Empire Supporter Club. Um, one of the, I'm pretty sure they're the oldest uh, supporter club in the MLS. And they are awesome people. So I want to give them a little shout out. And also a little shout out to my brother, who is uh, finding out on Friday, if he passed the bar, um, which we are all hoping that he does, because if he does, he'll be the first person in our family to 
not only graduate from college, but also first person to get any sort of like post like post secondary degree or like he'll be the first he'll be the first lawyer in the family. So yeah. Uh Riss? Um, I'm just gonna plug Rose Room. Um right now we are partnered up with the Axe Group, um, followed by Pride Razor. We are supporting Open Goal Project. Um, I believe, let me check right now, I think we were pledged up to $205 per spirit goal. So that's what we're doing right now. Um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us at Rose Room Co. And then if you want to follow me personally, you can follow me at risk underscore Willow. Scott? Um, let's see. Uh, I guess check out our podcast uh, this week episode i guess we'll drop sometime today it's another two-parter um because racism but uh get interactive hit us up on the sbfc at underscore podcast uh if you listen to the podcast let us know what you think of the shea butter crossover let us know what you think of our picks for the well you'll hear about the top 10 and our other other stylings of randomness that pop up in our podcast uh also shout out to Florida culture for doing our production and holding us down um, and then also, oh yeah, yeah, I'm on Twitter at the Sky Fi F Y E as in, and in football as in F U T B O L as in football. Yes, um, where I talk a lot of stuff. You know, soon it'll be about the Atlanta Hawks embarrassing me, but then it'll also be the Atlanta Falcons because I'm everything Atlanta. Um, and then I guess yeah, whatever happens. Um, Cause I'm not, you know, I, well, I, I don't know what's going. Well, depending on what the ES, ES, ESL happens or not, whatever, we'll see. Whatever, I don't know what's happening with Manchester United. That's the other team I support, but we won't talk about that. But yeah, uh, they've already uh, said no. So I'm gonna make United support. So I know they've already said no. They said name Bennett hey. not in it, so it's okay. Um, and my name's Ebony. Um, part of uh, Oak State supporters here in Raleigh, part of Uproar for the Courage. Uh, I rep my teams to the fullest. Uh, you can catch me on socials at EbonyC25. Uh, if, you, if you're if you with me, you've got a voice. Uh, that's been my motto since I've figured out this platform type of thing. Um, and I want you to know that that is still true today. Um, no matter what the crazies in my mentions say, I promise not to be a bully. Uh, I'm just, I'm just out here. I'm just a black girl with a Twitter account. So uh, we gonna get it one way or another because we all we got, and that's kind of all I got. Uh, check us out on Walking Ninety, uh, wherever you follow. Uh, so on behalf of all the wonderful, amazing women on this roundtable today, on this live discussion, I want to thank y'all for tuning in. Um, y'all have a good night. Uh, and stop. Listen to black women. Believe black women. Please.